Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. You're listening to episode 22 of We Do Recover. I'm your host, Jared Miller. Today, I'm joined in studio by your co-host and our medical expert, Dr. Terry Sellers. Uh, Well, good morning, everyone. It's a beautiful morning to be in St. George. I love it. Indeed it is. Yeah, we might have more than one uh, medical expert on today, so that'll be fun. You're you're, you're cutting to it. I know, but I love it. (laughs) I'm excited about it. We also have in the studio our producer, Sean Denovan. Hey, guys. And then via the World Wide Web... All the way from San Antonio, Texas, we have Dr. Rob, a.k.a. The Addiction Doctor. Hey, guys. Good to see you this morning. Thanks for having me on. We're glad that you're here. This podcast is recorded in sunny St. George, Utah. Episode 22, part one, is brought to you by none other than Steps Recovery Centers, where addiction ends and healing begins. If your loved one needs help, give them a call. 801-800-8142. Love those guys. Steps is a great program. Yeah. All right. Well, so I don't know. I don't know. You're doing goods. Check-ins. Okay. Sure. So I get, I call you. Right. Return your call last night. Right. And you tell me you're driving through a, a blizzard basically. Right. Your, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing that's not a new and good. Uh, I made it. <laughs> Here that's, I am. That's good. I pulled into my hotel last night about 2 a.m. and uh, got to bed about 3.30 and now here we are doing a podcast. So beautiful very nice anything else you want to check in on um is there something i don't know what else is going on in my life not really i mean you know getting ready for the holidays we're about there getting close yeah yeah hence the the hats hats hats. on today hello we're going festive yeah we are dr rob we should have got dr rob a christmas hat a santa hat we should have mailed him one yeah we're not that bright. Yeah, but um i should have got it out I, i was a bit late this morning so my apologies but the Santa is in my heart today. How's that? See? There you go. There Beautiful. you go. Dr. Rob, what's new and good with you, man? What's going on in your world? Man, it's very busy. As you guys probably know, I do a lot of TV and radio and uh, my book's out there. I've just come back from Florida. Hey, Florida guys, over in uh, Boca Raton, where my, one of my patients is. Uh, what we do is go and visit the patient every month of his telehealth. And that was our month over there with him for a few days. So pretty good. Living, living uh, life on life's terms, as they tell me. And uh, I often say I'm living the dream instead of dreaming of living because I always dreamt of this life, lifestyle but never had it. And here I am today, four and a half thousand miles away from home, enjoying every second of it. Man, we are lucky to have you on. Thank you so much. I Appreciate like your attitude. That. Absolutely. Yeah, love that. All right, Sean Denovan, our producer, what's going on with you? Yeah, new and goods? Well, you gave me some like candies and I was afraid to eat them. They were of a, a chocolate gummy thing. And you said, don't, don't eat them. Actually, you said, do eat them, and we'll see what happens in a half hour. I'm a little concerned <laughs> by that one. I was trying to, trying to psych out our I'm, friend I'm Sean here. I'm a freaked here. out. You have too many connections, man. Uh, There's I so like many it. people that are afraid of baked goods around the holidays. Oh, yeah. You know, and I used to do the little pretzel with the Rolo on top and the M&M. Oh, yeah. Well, when I say yeah. I, I mean Mandy, of course, right. but, you know. Sean. I mean, it's either an edible or a laxative. Either way, it's going to be funny for somebody. <laughs> or it's an edible and a laxative. Yeah, we might have double-teamed you, you there. That'll be a cocktail. <laughs> All right, well, let's jump into it. Uh, can I swear on the podcast or not? I mean, if, I I wouldn't recommend it. Oh, yeah, okay. We do get 
put on the radio. Well, okay, yeah, the then po- I'm not the gonna podcast swear. is put on the radio. I'm so not going to swear. swear on the radio. <laughs> so I'm not going to swear. If you swear, I have to go back and fix it. Yeah, so I'm not going to swear, but I will say if you eat that and it's an edible and a laxative, you'll be high as crap. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? But um, craps and giggles. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> all right, Dr. Rob Kelly. So this is a podcast about uh, recovery from addiction. So safe to say that you've tampered in this world, huh? I have uh, both, uh, obviously, from the education side, but also from uh, the reality side. I uh, I lost everything due to alcohol, uh, but probably around my uh, 16 to 27, ended up homeless, um, literally lost everything, not spoken to one of my daughters since 20, 30 years ago. But yeah, a really bad, bad case. Uh, never knew where it come from. Alcohol in the family, but didn't believe in all that, obviously. Started drinking at the age of nine. And the, the story is the best and horrific story that I've ever heard because it's my story. <laughs> yeah, I, I, have a, I have a heart for the alcoholic suffering, but I also, we incorporate the family as well to make sure. We believe it's a family illness, therefore a family recovery and journey. And yeah, it's just uh, just loving what I do. I love my job today. I absolutely love my job, and I love helping people. Probably about let me think, twenty nine years in the industry, and probably six and a half thousand patients that's recovered from a hopeless state of mind and body. So yeah, love it absolutely. Wow, yeah, that's a lot of good stuff there. So uh, dissect that. Take yeah, some- well, yeah. Well, I got a bunch of things I can. Uh, I have a. I had an anatomy professor that always made me say that it was, it's not dissect, it's dissect. Oh. <laughs> if there's two S's in it, it's dis, and dissect has two S's in it. You can bisect something, but you can't dissect it. Good Sorry, know. that was a professor that really kind of, <laughs> he harped on that all the time. Uh, how, hey, tell Sean, me about- Sean, did we lose video on? Oh, sorry. <clears throat> tell me about- Tell me about how you got started with alcohol. I I haven't heard tons of people started drinking at age nine, so I'm interested to hear that. Well, I I was in a musical family, was thrown on stage at the age of nine, a very nervous child, and uh, I was given my first drink uh, between set one and set two in Liverpool, England, with 500 people watching us on stage or thereabouts, come off the first act and just terribly nervous. My uncle said, hey, I drink this beer. And that's what he did. He gave me a beer and uh, the whole world took off right there and then. The actual second I drank the first mouthful, I thought, oh, my God, I found a solution for the rest of my life. Because I ask people today, I go, hey, remember when you first took a drink as a kid, you know, behind the shed or something? They go, yeah, I remember that. What was your reaction? And they go, oh, man, I spat it out. It was horrible. Tasted horrible. I'll never drink it again kind of thing. I was like, oh, my God, it was different to me. When I took that first drink, it was like, oh, my God, this is it. And I continued to use alcohol throughout the rest of my life till I was around 28. So, you know, all through school and Friday, Saturday, Sunday was my time because that's when we play in the band, my uncle and auntie with me. And uh, so I always look forward to Friday night. And obviously, as I got to 13 and 14, it become four or five nights a week. And then by the time I'm 18, 17, I'm going to college and it become a daily occurrence. And by then, I kind of stepped over the line from heavy drinking to alcoholically drinking, which, of course, there is no return if I don't get help. Uh, and that's where I ended up. It was it was very quick. It was very vicious. And I did a lot of damage, a lot of damage to my family, friends, and uh, parents and kids. Wow. 
Yeah. It, he said something there that I that I'm interested in and kind of want to ask you both. Where you're medical experts, how would one decipher between heavy drinking and how did you phrase it, Doctor Kelly? Yeah. Alcoholic drinking? Alcoholically drinking. So what happens is when you're heavily drinking, there's three stages of alcoholism that you go through. It's occasional, casual drinkers, the heavy drinkers, the alcoholic. So what distinguishes both? A heavy drinker, you know, if, if a doctor said to him, listen, you've got to pack up drinking, Johnny, otherwise you're going to die. The wife says, I'm going to leave you, Johnny, unless you stop drinking. You know, kids are begging him to stop. That guy can stop or moderate even. That's the difference. Once you cross the line into alcoholically drinking, then we have the disease. Then it's not about the alcohol. Before heavy drinking, it's all about the alcohol. Crossing over to alcoholically drinking, then the choice is taken away from us. Once the neural pathways, which mine are self-sabotaging, uh, most of them, most of the billions, once I, uh, once I start thinking, I start reacting. Once I start reacting, behavior change. Uh, the thought comes into my head that I want to drink. By the time that thought happens, it's almost impossible to, to change that thought pattern. You can't, you can't bring a thought pattern back once it's gone. It's like, that's it, we're gone, we're done. And, and, that's, and that's the deal between the both. And unless the a neural pathway change way happens in the brain, you will never stop drinking. Not if you're the real alcoholic. So if the alcohol is just a symptom, what's the real problem? Well, I have a brain disease. My brain combined with trauma as a kid has remapped my brain to self-sabotage. When I find alcohol at the age of nine, that was going to kill me from day one. But I never knew that because I went through the three stages, even though I'm born alcoholic. That's what we believe through my studies. And you can trace it back through generations, predisposition. So I'm born this way. And of course, when I first take alcohol, all bets are off. We're off, we're off to our races. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's interesting. Yeah. So um a couple of a couple of things stood out to me, and one is, so one of the things that you're talking about is that when you cross that line as to become an alcoholic, then you start seeing the hallmarks of addiction. One of those is persistent use despite negative consequences, right? I mean, like you mentioned, your your wife says she's going to leave you, or the doctor says you're going to die, and you can't quit. Then that's not that's not a heavy drinker, right? That's not your. Uh, that's a guy that that's a person that has now crossed over and has lost the ability to control that, which is another hallmark loss of control. Yes, definitely. And, and I, I want to say something again. I've got evidence based research over 20 years. This that alcohol reacts differently on the brain than drugs do. I'm a great believer that we're born alcoholic because it's generations, but we can take enough drugs to become a drug addict. You can't drink yourself into becoming an alcoholic. It's an impossibility. And that's what people don't recognize is I drank too. I don't want to become an alcoholic. You either an alcoholic or you're not. And the traits are that when you set the first drink, can you stop? When you buy one sandwich, you need chips with it. When Everything is to excess all the time. And, and I don't do half measures. Alcoholics don't do half measures. They're either all in or they're all out. These are the traits. So once they put alcohol up, because they're an alcoholic from day one, they don't suffer from alcoholism until they pick the drink up. Right. But we're born this way. We have the traits of an alcoholic. I think that I sum it up in these four points. An alcoholic will never be blonde enough, never be tall enough, never be thin enough, and never be rich enough. And once you take that on board, and information is absolutely king when it comes to alcoholism and drug addiction. The more you know about your disease, the better chance of getting help um, for it. Because it's, a, it's still a, a misunderstood disease to a certain degree. We're getting better and better at it. But at the end of the day, 
my disease of alcoholism. I'm not. I, drugs don't affect me. It's funny though that when I take drugs, I end up on alcohol. So figure that one out. But alcoholism <laughs> is the only self-diagnosed illness in the world. Just because you got ten DUIs, do not make you an alcoholic. My body and central nervous system and hypothalamus uh, acts differently when I take alcohol to the guy that lives next door to me. Sure. I think that's an interesting point that, that we've discovered. Sure, I'm gonna I'm gonna toss out a little tiny bit of variance on that, and that is I had the same experience you did with alcohol, with drugs. Like I I took a dilated when I was 24 years old, and to my knowledge, it was the first dilated I'd ever ta- first opiate I'd ever taken, and I remember feeling exactly what you described. Like 10 minutes after I took this, I thought. If I could feel like this for the rest of my life, I'd be just fine. I submit to you, my brain was already that way before I took that drug. Yeah, I mean, that, totally, absolutely, totally. That uh, that's the difference, and it's and it's the same. If you continue to take Dilaudid, you'd be a drug addict right. today, and you won't right. be able to walk. Yeah, had I never touched it again, I'd have been. I would not have been a drug addict, right? Obviously, Correct. it re, it requires the exposure, the continued yeah. exposure. But um, I think my brain was hardwired to do that from the beginning. Had had I never touched it, I'd have been fine, but I was messed up once I did. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. Dr. Rob has a little bit of a different take. So I've been to some NA groups, right? And AA as well. He has a little bit of a different take that I think is kind of cool, right? I'm not about proving one's right or the other, right? There's many pathways to right. this thing. No question. But he has a little different take. We hear in NA that basically alcohol is, is a, should be considered a drug, right? Right. Am I getting right. that? Am I getting that right? And Dr. Rob's saying that that you don't think of the two as the same. Am I getting that right? Am I understanding yeah, that correctly? Yeah, they react different to the, to the central nervous system and the brain. The, the, the chemicals in alcohol react differently to the alcoholic brain than any drug does, period. And, and that's research that's evidence-based and a white paper wrote in England when I did it. So this is new information coming up that we're trying to build evidence up over, a, over like a 15-year period before we can release it. But that is definitely the case. You know, it's uh, I studied Carl Jung as well when I was in Oxford University. And uh, that is definitely the case now, because we're being told that everything's a drug doesn't re- make it real where, where we're from. There's a lot of stuff that goes around NAAA that's just absolutely terrible. Nearly said something else there. Absolutely terrible. The information. In fact, some of the information we get in the rooms, I want to call the police and have them arrested for attempted murder. <laughs> All of a sudden overnight, everybody wants to be a part time counselor. And it's very dangerous. And AA and NA from from 97, 98 percent in 1930, 39, 44, 45 was 99 percent success rate around Akron. What is it today? It's around 3%. Yeah. So if I if I came to you as a heart surgeon and said to you, hey, Jared, I want to operate tomorrow on your heart. My success rate is 3 percent. Would you turn up? No, of course you wouldn't turn up. Uh, I think I would get okay. another. I think I would get another medical um, exactly referral. <laughs> well, I think, like anything else, we got to be careful what we listen to. We got to be careful the meetings we go to, and uh, a lot of what I hear is who I become. I have a, I have a saying that show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Yeah. Because alcoholism is affected by not forget the alcohol, forget it. It's got this much to do with alcohol. This it's got almost nothing to do. It's the symptom. What's the real problem? Well, I am. Um, a very sensitive person. I can be redirected and uh, taken over real easy by influences of other people. And what I see is what I believe and feel. So do I surround myself with a bunch of one cent minds when I've got a million dollar mind? No, of course I don't. Do I watch terrible stuff on TV? No, of course I don't. 
And this is the whole living experience of being recovered from a hopeless state of mind and body. And the word recovered in the Oxford English, because trace it back to the Oxford group, is to gain one's health and state of mind back. It doesn't mean we're cured. And people get that mixed up all the time. Mm, I like, love no, that distinction. It is, yeah. I mean, I mean, people go, well, I can never be recovered. Do you ever have food poisoning? Yeah. Did you recover? Oh, yeah, fully. There's no cure for food poisoning. There's no cure for the common cold. But you've recovered from that BS that you're going through. Same with alcoholism. You know, there is a program out there that you can use that will take you to a different place. Ten years ago, we found out in the medical fraternity that the brain is like plastic. Neuroplasticity, they called it. In 1939, they called it a psychic change. Same thing. Many people think psychic is a spiritual thing. No, go back to the 30s and 40s, psychic of the mind, psychologist, psychiatrist. So change your mind, that's all it is. Without that happening, you will drink and use again. Yeah, I love that. Hey, can I point out another part of your story? Oh, yes, please. I'm a, uh, it turns out I'm a giant music fan, right? Is there, has, has there ever been an act come out of Liverpool that, that made it or was any good at all or... Um, what about Jerry and the Pacemakers? <laughs> I love Jerry and the Pacemakers. I do actually love Jerry and the Pacemakers. <laughs> yeah, I think there was a small little band out of Liverpool once upon a time that that I think made an album or two. I don't, I can't remember, but anyway, do you know who I'm talking about, Jared? I don't, unfortunately. Well, the Beatles, the, the Beatles oh, kind of came Beatles. out of Liverpool. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a that's a small group that made it a little bit. Um, okay, so. Uh, Tell us about your uh, tell us about your education. So I I attended medical school, and after the first year, they threw me out. <laughs> they threw me out for being drunk. And they threw me out for causing problems. They they threw me out for falling asleep and, and peeing on myself. <laughs> uh, the alcoholism got me wrong. So they, when I was called in to see the dean, and he said, "Rob, we love you to bits. You know, you're very you know nice nice guy. We're going to throw you into a PhD program." Uh, of psychology so I studied psychology uh, for four or five years at Oxford and then came away and then 10 years ago I did a second PhD so I double PhD second PhD in behavioral science because I truly believe that alcoholic uh, and addiction that there's a lot of behavioral science there we've got to study that as well of how the body reacts to the alcohol going in that I've got a master's obviously and a bachelor's in uh, in bio I've got a, a master's in uh, biochemistry and a, a, a BA in human biology so i was always destined to go into some sort of medical field right but because there was alcoholism in my in my uh, family my my you know a few people died and i couldn't understand why somebody would drink but couldn't stop and that yeah. intrigued me so i have probably about 30 different awards and certifications and brain science is the new one uh, brain spotting sorry so i'm always trying to learn every day and I think I know this much uh, of this much that's that needs to be learned about addiction. But um, yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm, again, I'm either all in or all out. Yeah, it's so interesting that there's there is so much to learn, and the and and I don't even think we you could learn everything there is about the brain that we know today, and you still don't know a tenth of what the brain does for you. Yeah, I mean that's such a complex organ and so difficult to study, but um, yes. But it's uh, man, we're we're growing leaps and bounds in that field for sure. Doctor Rob, yeah. is, is it safe to say that that you went into this uh, this field maybe out of some self discovery? Because it sounds yeah, like at some point definitely. in time you identified that I have a problem, right? And yeah. you're a smart, dude. That's obvious with 
all the credentials that you just listed off. So was there a point in time where you thought, I'm going to, you know, self-discovery and then it turned into a career for you? Yes, that, that's true to say that. Yeah. <clears throat> and, the, and the more I got into self-discovery, I was still drinking through alcoholism uh, through college and didn't know I had a problem. Uh, after the horrific things, after getting married to my two kids and, and becoming homeless, still didn't think I had a problem. I just had some great knowledge. And then uh, probably 14 months on the streets, I had what's called a spiritual awakening. And when I came off, I dedicated my life to, to what I do today. And we believe that family and patient need to be involved. Our success rate is around 96, 97% right now with six and a half thousand patients come through. Uh, but we're very, very rigid. The assessment you take to come on board is very strict. We turn down probably 80% of people that come to us. We will not take your money if you are not ready. I don't play that game. <clears throat> I'm rich enough as it is. I could retire tomorrow, but this is about saving lives on a daily basis. And I'm sure you both will understand that, that this is this is, this is is a real deal. I don't sugarcoat it. I'm out of the box. I curse at my patients. I'll throw them out. <laughs> if they go missing, I'll chase them and handcuff and put them in the car. I mean, everyone knows who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm crazy when it comes to getting people well, but when you're sat there to, with a mom and dad who are absolutely distraught and in tears and shaking because their kid has taken so many drugs that he's ruined his life, You've got to be 100% guaranteed that you're going to, you can promise them they'll recover. And that's my deal. You know, that's, and I'll do anything. Take four patients on only every three months. So we've only got four people online, uh, either online or in face. But yeah, very serious, very in your face. I'm going to make it happen. Never failed yet. And, and people smile when they hear that. Now, we've got statistics going back 20 something years of people that still call me today and still send me emails. Around Christmas time, my email, I can't get in my email. It overloads with people saying happy Christmas and happy holidays and thank you for helping me get sober. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. That is. That's amazing. That's an intense program. Yeah. That's great. I like it, yeah. though. I like yeah. it. It's like if you come in, yeah, make sure you're it's ready. Kind of, it's kind of more of an IOP, though we don't call it that. Sure. But it is intense. You need to check in four times a day. Uh, we have you followed by one of our PIs. If you go missing, uh, we'll we'll do anything, you know, to, to make sure that you're on track. Because I think everybody just needs a boost at the beginning. They need to get excited about life. Forget the alcohol and drugs. Get excited about life. When's the last time you got up in the morning and go, wow, today's going to be an, an absolutely amazing day. When you're on that level, you don't need alcohol or drugs. Once the neural pathways are changed, you're ready for success. I've never seen an alcoholic or addict recover from that and fail in business. You know, it's like we, we succeed every single time we succeed because we have the addictive brain that loves to succeed. And, and that's where the program, we take people through jobs, we get them jobs, we get them back with the wives, we get the kids back. We build this life together as we go through the program. And it's just, I'm, I'm very proud of, of what we do here. But it, obviously, I have a bunch of people around me. God bless them. They, they actually stuck and work with me because sometimes I can be crazy. But yeah, it's a beautiful <laughs> life and a beautiful program. And it's just great to be here today on your show. <laughs> We're blessed to have you. I, the enthusiasm is contagious for sure. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. that that's the enthusiasm of a man who has seen the depths of hell and has come back from that and wants to share that with other people. And in part two, I, I want to touch on maybe it seems like you're very big in the family aspect and we're going to touch a little bit more about your story in part two. And maybe that's why you're so big. You mentioned that there was some fallout with your wife and you ended up homeless and stuff. But yeah, this is kind of a blend of part one and part two. I'm liking it. Yeah, yeah. So thank you guys for listening. This has been part one. We're just winding down here. We got Dr. Rob Kelly all the way from San Antonio, San Antonio Texas. 
And uh, thank you, thank him for coming on. If you're listening to this, be sure like this, share this. There's definitely some people out there that need to hear this message and need to know that there's different pathways and different avenues that they can find recovery in. I'm yeah. sitting here with two people that are a great example of that. So, anything else? I think got? you're the third. Don't don't sell yourself short. <laughs> I'm breaking in. I'm getting my feet wet. I like it. Right on. All right. Hey, Dr. Rob, thanks. We'll be back in about uh, 30 seconds after a quick break. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery, and once you become of the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times, and it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. You guys are listening to episode 22 of We Do Recover. This is part two. We got Dr. Rob Kelly here as our guest talking about uh, his, his past, his life in recovery today and the programs that he's involved in. Episode 22, part two, is brought to you by Hilton Garden Inn. It's always sunny and bright at the Hilton Garden Inn in St. George. If you're traveling through southern Utah, bust out your phone, get, go to Google, give them a Google search, just type in Hilton Garden Inn, St. George, Utah. I promise you won't regret it. They have amazing amenities. That place is always so clean, so nice. I may have dropped something off at your hotel last night. and Is that you? I noticed they had a Lysol. They had like this Lysol thing that was oh, yeah. between the doorway. And the, yeah. I thought, man, these guys are on their game. They're serious. I couldn't figure out who that was to save my life. I've accused everybody else in my life. <laughs> well, that was good. Thank you. That was nice. <clears throat> Got him. I love wow. the little secret surprises. That was cool. Thanks. Just like Sean's going to get a surprise when he eats his little treat I baked for him. All right. Sweet. He's, He's going to be so yeah. nervous for those. He's going to throw them away. Yeah, let's get back to Dr. Rob let's because he's uh, a dynamic force and we love him on the podcast. Uh, okay, can you take me back to, and if you're, uh, tell me if you're interested in talking about this or not, but take me back to the time that you're drinking enough that things are going super south and you're homeless. What changed there? Like when you're homeless, what got you back? Well, I kind of didn't think I had a problem, obviously. I was married, two kids, everything was good. Um, unfortunately, inside the house was absolutely terrible. Uh, eventually, they, I don't know if you know this is just adults or children listening to this, so I'm not going to tell you what happened in the house with my wife, but it was terrible. <clears throat> but they took my kids off me, and uh, my, last thing my eldest daughter said at the age of three was, Daddy, Daddy, please don't go. Daddy, Daddy, please get better. And the last thing she said to me was, Daddy, Daddy, please stop drinking. Uh, and he broke my heart, and I, I couldn't do it. So six months after that, thereabouts, I'd lost my medical license over there, and uh, I had uh, lost my cars, business, practices, family. Everyone threw me out. was on the streets. And I remember sat in there, Dr. Terry. I remember sat on the streets the first day, and I'm looking around, and it suddenly hit me, what the hell went wrong? Because 
you know, my financial advisor said, you know, you can never go broke if you play your card right. You're all good now. And it all went. I mean, I left the house and everything to my wife because of my kids, but still, I'm a homeless. So I'm bumming, bumming around trying, you know, streetwise. I was born on the, in the projects, the council estates. And I remember waking up one morning and the guy next to me was stabbed to death for his, for his sneakers, for his training shoes. Wow. You know, it could have been, that could have been me. Sure. I tried to commit suicide six times and on two occasions I succeeded. They brought me back to life on the side of a wet, smelly back end road in Manchester. I hated them guys for that for a long time. And it was just, I'd had enough, you know. I mean, I tried pills, I tried jumping off buildings. It just, it's like I couldn't die. It was crazy. Yeah, apparently you point. suck at dying. I know, right? It's, it's like if you ever want to know some information about dying, don't come to Dr. Rob. He doesn't know. <laughs> crazy. But, you know, one, one morning, it was uh, Monday morning. It was around 2.30 in the morning. I dropped down to my hands and knees, and uh, I cried from my belly. I was broken, guys. I mean, literally, I was done, you know? Everything that I'd worked for had gone. Everybody I loved had gone. My mind was gone. I was insane, uh, the stuff I did for alcohol. And I started to cry from my belly, and I remember it was pouring down with rain, and the rain mixed with my tears fell to the ground and kind of hit a purple collar on the ground. I remember on these pebbled grounds. And I looked up to the sky, and I said, hey, if there's a god up there, I can't do this on my own anymore. And 30 seconds later, a guy walked around the corner with a little Bible in his hand. He'd missed his last bus home from a Bible study. He'd been walking for two hours or something like that. And he stumbled upon me and he said, you need help? And I said, yeah, I'm an alcoholic and, and I'm dying. And he says, I'm a, I'm a recovered alcoholic and I'd love to take you back to the house, give you a shower and give you a chance to get back on your feet. And there I started my journey right there and then. Wow. Yeah, that's. Well, if there isn't a God, that's one hell of a coincidence. Yes, that's why I, I was an atheist at the time, but. You know, he took me back to his house and uh, he said, you can stay here as long as you want, Rob, but you've got to come to AA meetings with me. And I thought, oh, no, <laughs> crazy AA meetings. But I went to the first one and long story short, I met a guy called John. Uh, he took me through the book. He, he, he did the steps and everything. I recovered. Uh, he taught me some amazing stuff. He was an amazing guy. Went back to his house. I went there every 12 weeks on a, on a, on a Wednesday, every 12 weeks. Uh, sorry, every day, Wednesday for 12 weeks. I'd walk to his house because I couldn't afford bus fare. I went through everything. And he, I was just a different person. And a week after I got my first pay packet, because he said, you will get a job, you will get an apartment. I went back to find him and uh, nobody had heard of him in that apartment. The next door neighbor said there's been no one living in there for six months. Never found that man. Went back to the meeting and they said, no, you was talking to yourself in the coffee machine. I'm like, no, I'm talking to John. John with the white hair and white beard, I'm talking to him. He go, Rob, we saw you talking to yourself. Now get out of here, you're crazy. Yeah, I never oh. found him. Wow. Yeah. When That's, you say you had a spiritual experience, you weren't kidding. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's freaky. And, and lots of other stuff has happened. When I came over here, I was bleeding from the mouth. They took me in, cancer of the esophagus, called on my parents in England, went down to the theater, one more x-ray, cancer had gone. You know, there's a bunch of stuff like that's happened wow. to me. I just let it go now. I just, I just follow it. It doesn't become like this was crazy. How can you do that, you know? Right. The hospital, when I woke up, made me sign, or my wife did, made me sign a piece of paper straight away because they knew they were open to a massive lawsuit because they, they'd called my mom and dad and told me I was, I was about to die. Success rate was, you know, very low for, for, for recovering from this stuff. So, yeah, it was a lawsuit, but uh, I signed the paper. I was just blessed to be alive. Wow. That's amazing. I appreciate you sharing, you know, the, the story about, about your daughter. I have a similar story when I was going through my 
depths of addiction. I can, I have a vivid memory of one time, you know, I was fully committed to not using when my kids were with me. Therefore, if you're coming off opiates, what happens, Dr. Sellers? Yeah, you're sick when your kids are with you, right? So my daughter, I, I have a memory of her saying to me, Daddy, why are you always sick? Yeah. And I look back on that and I think, man, if I could have just, if that could have just been strong enough or if that could have just been the moment that I realized that I needed to stop doing what I was doing, maybe things would be a little different in, in that relationship. And I want to twist that into you. You talk about a big part of your program and what you do has to do with the family. It's very important, right? You're trying to bring these families back together. Were you able to get back with your wife and kids? And was that situation? Not with my wife. Uh, my, my, my youngest daughter still is estranged, but it's funny. People are saying, you got to write a book. You got to write a book. So <clears throat> eventually I wrote a book and it was very healing and it was very tormented and it was very aggressive and it was out there, you know, for people to read. And uh, we didn't have a title for it. And this was a couple of years ago. And we're still editing it. And out of the blue, 25 years of absence, my daughter messaged me on Facebook and said, Daddy, I want to speak to you. Can we talk? Well, excuse me. That was just, it was just absolutely amazing. So I called her and we had a chat for about two hours and I said, I'm writing a book, Charlie. I hope it's okay. And she said, yeah. Can you remember the last thing you said? Because we still don't have a title. Can you remember the last thing I said to you, Dad? And I, I said, no. And she said, I said, Daddy, Daddy, please stop drinking. And that became the title of the book. And wow. I dedicated it to my daughter, Charlotte Kelly, call her Charlie. And uh, it's just an amazing thing. So then after that, I thought, wow, let's get the family more involved. And the way we describe it to the family is it's like going to the addict's house or alcoholic's house because the alcoholic family is sick as well. And taking them from the, let's say they all speak German in there, taking them from the house to a treatment center where we're going to teach them recovery language, which is, say, Japanese. And after a couple of months of speaking Japanese, we stick them back into the German-speaking house. What are they going to do? They're going to start speaking German again. And that's the sickness of the disease. So what we do is we, we teach the house and the patient to speak Japanese. So that when they go back, everyone's on the same page with recovery. Everyone needs, you can't enable, you can't do this. We're not walking around on eggshells. This is recovery. This is life. You know, alcoholism and addiction is not an affliction. It's a superpower. Once you recover from that stuff, our brain is absolutely amazing. We've become better fathers, better sons, better husbands. And this is what it's about for me. And, and watch the family grow. And again, I don't get involved in the money. I have no idea how much the money is. My paid in full is when the mom and dad calls me up or the husband calls me up or the wife and said, Dr. Rob, I want to thank you. We've not been able to do this before. We've tried a few places. Thank you so much. Man, I put the phone down and I'm in tears every single time. Six and a half thousand tears every phone call I put down because that for me is paid in full. Yeah, yeah, and that's powerful stuff right there. I appreciate you sharing that. It gives guys like me hope. Look, I people that know me well know that I, at this point in time, my kids aren't involved in my life right now. I have a sweet mother who's always telling me, she tells me a lot of different things and just about everything she's ever said to me has been pretty true, pretty true. And, and she said to me, Jared, just keep doing the right thing for the right reasons. And they're, they're, they're not gone forever. They're just not in this chapter of your life. And so hearing stories like yours really give me hope and hopefully listeners that are going through something similar to what I'm going through hope. But if you just keep doing the right thing, the next right thing for, for the right reason, right? 
It'll all work out. Every single time. I'll, I'll make a bet with you. In fact, I'll make a guaranteed offer to you right now, Jared. If you keep doing what you're doing, you're helping other alcoholics, you're doing stuff like you're doing on this program right now, your kids will come back into your life. And if they don't, I have a beautiful Mercedes McLaren parked in my driveway that you can have. I will send the keys to you. Come and pick it up. Why am I making that crazy offer? Because they do come back every single time. Because we do recover, we do get well, and we become the best fathers in the world and the best husbands and boyfriends in the world. So I'll make you that bet. They will come back. Otherwise, you can have one of my cars. And I promise you that. I'm not kidding. I promise you that. I appreciate that. And I would take I would take him back over 12 of those cars. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, so people say to me today, Rob, I see you on TV. I see you on books and everything. I see the fame you have. I see you working with this rock star, this movie star. You know, it must be great. What a life you've got. And I said, you know something? I trade all this in for a week with my youngest daughter. Yeah. You can have everything. Put me in a tent with my daughter for a week. I don't want anything else apart from that. So it's really important. And then the kids, when they come back, kind of seals the deal. Your life will take off. You'll be more confident in self-esteem, become an amazing father and life. You know, we've got to live life, guys. We're the only people that get two lives in one lifetime. <laughs> I like that. First one up. I like that. Are we going to mess the second one up? No, we're not. Right. We're going to grab it by the horns and we're going to ride it all the way to heaven. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I You're such too. a great example. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I love that a lot. So tell me how you got started in the industry. What well, br what brought you to w using this for a career? Well, first of all, I was a police officer when I left, got fired for being drunk. Then I was a the telecoms uh, director, I got fired for being drunk. <laughs> so the only thing I could do with my license in England was to, you know, counsel people as a psychologist. And uh, I thought, what a great industry. And then by then I knew I had a serious drinking problem. Uh, so I just decided that this was it, especially coming up the streets. I was going to dedicate my life to this. And that's what I've done. We eat, we breathe, we sleep, we do everything around recovery. And uh, it's just, I, I was meant to do this, guys. I mean, I was just meant to do this because the knowledge I've got and the out of, out of the box thinking, it, it, this, this deal's working. And I just, I, and I wanted to create a company. You ever go to bed on a Sunday and think, oh, God, it's work tomorrow? Oh, I wanted to create a company where people didn't do that. But people said, hey, we got work tomorrow. I can't wait to get in. So that was another thing. And the other thing is on Friday, we have a uh, feel good Friday, it's called, where on a Friday, we take the staff out and we treat them to uh, pedicures, manias, uh, saunas, haircut. And it's just that giving back to staff and patients that go, today is a rest day. And today we're going to treat you. Last year, we gave over $200,000 to uh, people that need them. Not so much charities, but alcoholics who's one parent family uh, in recovery will buy you, you know, that 12 month, 12 month rent or we'll buy the car for you or we'll pay, you know, whatever you need to do. We also went into schools uh, this year and paid off lunch debts. We love doing that as well. And it kind of keeps me on track that I get to do this today, guys. You know, it's not a part of ego and stuff. My ego went when they took my kids off me. This is confidence through the program and God and all the people around me that I get to do this. So I don't want one of them guys that sits on the pedestal with all his money going, ha, ha, I've made it. Not for me. No, not for me. I have to give 25% of my earnings away every single year. Otherwise, I'm not worthy of what I do today. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that is. That's, that's awesome. Hopefully we all can... Be like that eventually, yeah, exactly. right? Well, yeah, we can. That's the point, is we all can, right? 
I, I, think, love that. I yeah. think Dr. Rob would tell you that he's, uh, listen, it looks like you're doing amazing stuff, but it's doable stuff. You just got to do it. Right. <clears throat> exactly. Everyone that comes to us, we, you know, if they're fallen superstars or whatever, we take them to, or even if they're not, we take them to the Porsche dealerships and we sit them in the car and we take them to the million dollar house and we sit them there. We're priming the brains for success. So when it all comes back again, the brain doesn't freak out and go, oh, I don't deserve this. The brain goes, oh, I remember this seat in this porch. Oh, yeah, I remember this big house. And that's what we tell everybody, that you can become anything or anybody you want. Like we got married some five years ago and two days after the marriage, we argued about something. And my wife said to me, and I quote, well, that's just the way marriage is. You know what I said? <laughs> Says who? Who's making these rules up about marriage? I don't like them. Let's make our own rules up. Let's sing in the bathroom. Let's dance in the hallway. Let's do this stuff that we're doing every day. And, and, and it works, you know. And, and people always say to me, yeah, Rob, but I can't become president of the United States. I beg to differ. <laughs> this has been running the country for the last four years. You can do anything you want to do. I think there's adequate proof that almost I, I anybody could do I, it. I will say, remember quantum physics? Remember what it says we can be on a basketball court at like 25 places at the same time? You know, where would I want to be? Well, I want to be over near the goal. So when I got the ball, I slotted it in and be the hero of the game. And I say to them, how are you going to get there? And they go, oh, I'm not sure. And I say, you walk over there and take that position that's all there is to it yeah. if you want something you can visualize it in your head you can hold it in your hand end of story lesson learned uh, and then the action the action stage it. right the action stage of actually walking going over there and doing it or walk yeah, over and take it. taking you know, action it's all yours if you can visualize it and everybody has lack of confidence lack of self-ability lack of awareness it's like i say to my patients all the time you know if we could swap places for 10 minutes and you could look at you for 10 minutes, all your problems would be over because we never see who we are. Yeah. Look at the amount of people you two have, have affected. Dr. Terry with what he does and being on here and Jared, this show every week, you know, you're affecting both of you, you're affecting millions of people. And, and personally, we don't get enough thanks of people out there. You know, I remember passing the break room and somebody said, did you see what Dr. Kelly did with that patient? It's amazing. And the other girl said, well, did you tell him that? And the other girl said, oh, no, he already knows. <laughs> we don't know. You know, we don't know when somebody comes up and says, you do an amazing job. We need to hear that stuff. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. You know, you reminded me uh, of something somebody said to me early in recovery. And, uh, you know, as I got into recovery, I was uh, enthusiastic about it. And, you know, my life had changed. I had been so I'm so I was so tired of looking over my shoulder and hoping that people didn't discover all this stuff. And it was such a relief to be in recovery. And I was really excited about something. I can't even remember what it was. And somebody said to me, sounds like you're on the, the pink cloud and that'll go away someday. And I'm like, well, why does it have, who said it has to go away? Why, why does that have to happen? Why can't you just stay on that pink cloud forever? You can, it just takes a little bit of work. I absolutely love that. Thank you so much for saying that because you wear that in the rooms all the time. Oh, you're just on a pink cloud. You know what I say to them? I'm on a pink cloud for 33 years. Yeah. I ain't coming off now. Yeah. Why, <laughs> why do you have to get off the cloud? It's a great cloud. Exactly. Why, why would you do that? Life's going good. Life's amazing. But as alcoholics, other people see us and they want to put a damper on that straight away. Just because yeah, yeah. you didn't do the program properly, Mr. Flipping Johnny, and just because <laughs> you went on that pink cloud and you haven't got a life beyond your wildest dreams, shut up. Yeah. You've got nothing. 
to say to the guys that are, because what I tell you, you will believe. That's part of the addictive brain. It's it's just like we've got to be careful what who we listen to, you know? Yeah. If I tell you a lie now, guys, you might believe it, you might not. If I tell you a lie often enough, you're going to believe it. Right. But if I told you a lie real often enough, I'm going to start to believe it. <laughs> so listen to the people who build you up. Yeah. Listen to don't share your dreams with people who don't share your dreams is one of my sayings. So show me your friends, I'll show you your future. End yeah. of story. Beautiful. You know, and I think it's really important that the people we surround ourselves with are the people we become. You know, hang, ever hang around with the bad kids at school, all of a sudden you're a bad kid. You hang around, I'm earning 20,000 a year, let's say, I want to earn 50. What do I do? Hang around the guys that earn 50. Right. Because you become like him. It's like when I got a best friend. She had, she had a stupid saying of shut up or something like that. Within a month of knowing her, I'm doing that without even right. knowing. Right. I'm speaking to my wife going, shut up. She said, oh, my God, you sound just like Carlene. It's the same thing when we hang around successful people and, and people have recovered from the disease of alcoholism. Yeah. Listen, on that pink cloud, lots of gray clouds float by. You just don't have to jump on them. Let them float on, let them float on by, stay on yours, lovely pink cloud and everything stays pink. You know what I like about Dr. Rob and both of you, the confidence, right? That confidence factor in today's society. I feel like a lot of times us men are maybe a little hesitant because we don't want to be perceived as cocky or arrogant or a jerk or whatever. And the thing that has really helped me is having guests like you, Dr. Rob and a co-host like Dr. Terry Sellers, who, you know, you guys are living proof that confidence isn't a negative thing, right? And you should be proud to be confident. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. Just what Dr. Terry said there about the pink cloud. I've never had anybody say that to me. You're the only first person. It's so true. We need to re recognize this, that this is life. Recovery is about life and living life. If you're going to stop drinking and drugging and get well to sit in a one-bedroom apartment mm. watching TV all day, you might as well drink. No question. Oh. I don't want yeah. any of that. Yeah. Exactly. God, Doug Terry, I just love you already. Well, I feel He's the same a way. Long relationship. You're a guy off my own heart. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, I love your attitude too. Like, listen, you can hang on, like cling for dear life to the pink cloud. Don't let it go away. Yeah. Like, cause this is really life. This is the, I mean, life is fun. It's meant to be fun. Yeah. I mean, like I say, the, the second life that I have in a lifetime I'm not going to mess this up. I take chances. I dye my hair blonde. I wear stupid color clothes like a uh, dead mouse. Most people in my ears don't know what that is. They literally think it's a dead mouse. Uh, I drive extortionately expensive cars. I live in a million-dollar house, and I don't give a crap about what anybody thinks because I, I deserve to be. I used to. I used to get embarrassed about that stuff. Not today. I'm out loud so other people can recover in silence should they wish to do so. That's awesome. Well, we should. I should uh, send you some pictures of my golf outfits because they're – quite they're outrageous <laughs> and i get a lot of flack for them all the time and i'm like i don't care Bright like i'm having fun colors yeah, yeah and exactly. also also your glasses i've seen some of your glasses and they're amazing <laughs> i love that <laughs> uh, i've got a big pair you must have seen it makes you look like elton john <laughs> see but right who wouldn't want to look like elton john who wouldn't want to live that life at some point that was a nice flamboyant having a great time kind of life it was. Yeah. And he's a great guy also. Yeah. I was in a hotel with him one day and uh, found him screaming in the bedroom. I walked in and he's screaming down to reception in this really plush hotel in London, asking them to stop the rain 
and the wind. <laughs> Otherwise, he would never book in there again. Great guy. I'm glad he's, I'm glad he's got over his addiction. Uh, yeah, but he's a great. Yeah, he's living a great life now, and he's he's proud of it. That's that's awesome yeah. stuff. Well, we got about two minutes left, Doctor Rob. If you had a message of hope for any of our listeners, it sounds like you've got a, a world of experience and a lot of knowledge. So, if you had a message of hope, what would it be? Guys, if you're out there, let's forget alcohol and drugs for a second. If you're out there feeling depressed, if you're out there feeling not good enough, like you can't conquer the world, that you don't fit in, I want to apologize to you guys. Somebody put that there. It's not how we're born. Mm. We're born to succeed. We're born to be men of the houses, to lead people, to be a leader of our wife and our children, to get up and do something. You see, the problem is, guys, you see the guy over there, the CEO of that multi-million dollar company, we think they're different to us. They're not different to us. They just have a vision. You have the same vision. We have the same brain. You can do that. Take a chance and stop making practical decisions based on fear. Stop mm. doing that stuff. Forget the fear. It's not real. Walk through it. Feel life. What's the worst can happen? You know, get that job, that car, that house or girl. Learn from it and move on. We are all special. We deserve to live life to the absolute hilt and let nobody but nobody tell you that you can't recover from this BS that you're going through because you can. And when it takes you to the fourth dimension, which me, it just means I'm like this instead of up and down all the time, life will take on a new meaning at last. Guys, if you want to contact me, call me direct, 214-600-0210. That's my cell phone number just for this show. Have a great life, guys. Oh, man, powerful. What a great guest. Dr. Yes. Rob, Thank you, Dr. love Rob. you. Appreciate you being on the show. That was amazing. Have your best life, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. Great to be on the show. Hey, we'll be thanks. back January 8th. We're going to take a two-week break. Thank you, guys. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from a podcast studio.